Welcome to The Nonprofit Voice, a podcast series brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. In each episode, we're going to sit down with leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people responsible for paving the way for our sector, along with key technology strategy partners who are transforming our industry. Here at the Nonprofit Voice, we'll have refreshing conversations in which we will all learn more about the convergence of nonprofit and technology. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to find more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice. And you can download all of the Nonprofit Voice episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We will have all the links down below. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Voice. I'm New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And as always, I'm so happy that you're here with us today. So please join me in welcoming Ari Simon, Head of Social Impact and Philanthropy at Pinterest, and Paul D'Alessandro, Founder and Chairman of D'Alessandro Inc., and Editorial Advisory Board Member for Nonprofit Pro. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Just great. Doing great. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Happy to hear it. And of course, thank you for joining me. So before we jump into today's topic, I usually get our audience more acquainted with um, our guests on the show. So Ari, I'll start with you. Tell us a little more about your background and how you found yourself at Pinterest. Uh, I'm happy to. Uh, so again, I'm so pleased to be joining you. I guess I should start with, I'm a new resident of San Francisco. I, I moved here pretty recently from Detroit, actually in the middle of the pandemic, kind of just as the world turned orange in San Francisco. So I really just nailed the timing on that. Um, but I guess more fundamentally, I'm, I'm a Jewish kid from Iowa and kind of that context informs my, my career in life. Um, my mom was a refugee, literally bouncing um, between countries as a kid. My dad's an immigrant. Some of my earliest memories are of Sadaka boxes in our home. Um, and that led to kind of a deep awareness within our family of issues of justice and opportunity and, and immigration, um, awareness of poverty, because our, our family had um, direct experience of it previously. And that kind of deep impulse towards tikkun olam, um, the kind of Jewish value of healing the world was something that was inculcated in me very early in life and has informed my entire professional and personal journey. And it's kind of a winding and random journey that I'm not going to go into, but, you know, at various points of time, I worked for the Innocence Project, served as a volunteer on ambulances in the Middle East. And at the point of time, I was at a consulting firm that kind of helped foundations get started in places like Sub-Saharan Africa in the United States. Um, and immediately before Pinterest, I was at the Kresge Foundation, where I kind of led the foundation's do domestic and global grant making. And, and for those who, of you who aren't familiar, Kresge is kind of one of the lines of American philanthropy. It's been around for nearly a century. It's focused on issues of um, racial equity and justice and, uh, and opportunity. And uh, it was just an incredible privilege to both kind of live that work and feel it as, as a resident of Detroit. I should add that I also kind of help push Kresge to kind of lean into issues of civil rights and racial equity and our democratic system of government through something we call our Opportunity Fund, which was kind of a philanthropic fund we created after 2016. So that kind of alignment of um, personal and professional purpose is uh, has, has been for me one of the great gifts of working in the sector and is one of the reasons I came to Pinterest. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about this later, but you know, Pinterest has defined itself and is defined by being a positive corner of the internet and had decided to lean heavily into kind of emotional well-being as a topic. And for me, it just felt like 
right issue, right time, um, especially as we're both in the thick of and in some cases emerging from COVID, it seemed like the kind of mental well-being crisis that um, the pandemic inspired, and frankly, a lot of the reckonings the last year have have created, um, was was an issue of great resonance, both personally and frankly, in my eyes, um, across the country and across the world. So that brought me to Pinterest and the ability to start kind of a, a social impact function for the first time at the company, at a company where the alignment of kind of institutional mission and that purpose seemed deep and profound was just an incredible, was just an incredible life opportunity and it's been just a joy so far. So that's, that's me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, like I've told you earlier, I love what you guys are doing over there. I think it's, you know, really important to highlight the emotion, the emotional well-being, the mental health of people. And I love that you guys are really um, kind of bringing that to light. Um, so, Paul, you are no stranger to me or nonprofit pro, but maybe some of our audience members don't really know who you are. So please, can you take a few minutes to share more about yourself? Sure. Um, thanks, New, and thanks, Ari, for sharing that. Um, I'm Paul Del Sandro, and I'm on the opposite coast of Ari. I'm just outside of New York City, and um, grew up grew up here. Um, but I've this business has taken me pretty much around the globe in every single state in the country and every province in Canada. And um, I started as a lawyer, and by happen chance, I wound up in fundraising with the University of Notre Dame back in the late '80s. Uh, $350 million campaign doing major gifts, I think before we even called them major gifts. And, um, you know, kind of my faith background, I grew up, led, led me into this. I grew up in a wealthy family. My, my father always was helping different charities and organizations. And I was doing some high, um, high tax work with um, a major consulting firm. And, and I talked to a Catholic priest and I said, you know, I'm thinking of doing this fundraising work. And, going to cut my salary in half. And he said, well, I'm so happy you're not going to work for the almighty buck. And, you know, I really didn't know what I was getting into when I got into fundraising, but it started with campaigns and major gifts and strategy and development with, you know, in education and with some fantastic organizations like Special Olympics and Habitat for Humanity International and Wounded Warrior Project and educational institutions and cancer organizations and it's been a real um real blessing to me i mean I, I tell people that i would have never dreamed that this business would have taken me to for instance south africa to meet desmond tutu or the, uh, london to meet to have tea with the lords and parliamenters with sitting presidents it's just and it's just me you know but you know i love helping charities and my kind of life statement is about i want to empower nonprofits and people to go out and have an impact in the world and from the life experience I've had and talking to donors and charities who want to go out and, mm -hmm. you know, we all want to make a difference in the world. I and mean, that's, that's what, that's what I'm about. I love that. Thanks for sharing, Paul. Okay. Mm -hmm. So recently, you know, like Ari said earlier, Pinterest has announced its support for emotional well-being through its social impact efforts. So I thought it would be such a great idea to get both Ari and Paul on the line today to talk through these efforts, but also highlight the importance of corporate social responsibility. So Ari, I'll get started with you. Can you talk more about Pinterest's expanded social impact efforts and why this was such an important move for the company? Of course, absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that when the opportunity arose, it felt to me like it was the right issue at the right time, that emotional well-being was 
kind of one of the topics of this moment um, for us as, as a society. And as I got to know Pinterest, it became very clear that um, it wasn't a coincidence that emotional well-being was the topic and area of focus they had highlighted. Um, it goes to like Pinterest's very mission. And the mission of Pinterest is to bring everyone inspiration so they can live a life they love. And it's very clear though that to live a life you love, you have to have a self you love. And for me, that kind of deep resonance of mission and purpose was, was unique and very real. And it suggested to me that there was a ton of opportunity to build a, a social impact practice that was meaningful and could be authentic because it tied to what the platform is good at, which is being a positive corner of the internet. Um, so one message I brought into Pinterest when I arrived was that if we're about inspiration, we should be about inspiration. And one of the nonprofit sector's superpowers, in my mind at least, is inspiration. Uh, one thing that's incredibly powerful about philanthropy in turn is that it, it has the capacity to massively expand the solution set of how to bring inspiration to the world. And a point I've been making over and over again is there are so many tools and methods by which philanthropy and social impact can partner with nonprofits that if we do it well, there's no question we can help bring more inspiration to the world beyond just our platform. So the function itself kind of focuses on four different ways to do that. Um, and don't get me wrong, a lot of these things aren't revolutionary, but there are things that Pinterest hasn't done before and that we're trying to do in a way that is kind of deeply aligned around a sense of core purpose and around a North Star that kind of binds all these efforts. So we have, for the first time, created a pretty expansive employee volunteerism program that allows every employee five days to volunteer for civic and community action in any way they see fit every uh, calendar year. We've created for us uh, a massively beefed up donation matching program that um, matches funds dollar for dollar up to $1,000 for every employee and that we're already using actually as a mechanism for campaigns, whether it's about the current disasters in India or Brazil or around uh, Mental Health Awareness Month so that we can run two for one kind of campaigns so employees can on a grassroots basis like demonstrate their passions and, and the company can show solidarity with it. Um, we're thinking very deeply about platform impact. So the Pinterest platform reaches 478 million global monthly active users. And that's just an incredibly powerful lever potentially to partner and provide resources to support nonprofits around their social change messages and their campaigns. And then we have a charitable giving pool, which provides about 250,000 shares of stock, which is currently roughly valued about $60 million in grant making. Um, what I would add is that a good example of how that all comes together is around this month, around Mental Health Awareness Month, which is happening right now as we speak. Um, I honestly believe, and I kind of intentionally ended with charitable giving, because while it's important, it's what people usually anchor around philanthropy. I honestly believe that if we were only to give dollars, that would be kind of the emotional well-being equivalent of greenwashing. So instead, we're busy doing things like stacking and aligning those other resources and forms of philanthropic support to do something that I think in combination becomes much more meaningful. So, for example, we're forming a partnership with Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter uh, Bibi Rexa, who is outspoken about mental health awareness. We're uh, engaging creators to drive compelling content to generate awareness for mental health. We're launching a campaign with a really wonderful nonprofit called Half the Story, which is focused on empowering healthy relationships with technology for Gen Zers. We're providing access to mental health exercises right on the platform through something called Compassionate Search, which we're expanding internationally this year. We're actually closing our offices worldwide for a time frame we call Pintentions from May 28th to June 1st. So employees can actually disconnect and be intentional about self-care. So again, no question our dollar is important, but with nearly half a billion people using Pinterest every month, 
and the narrative and social change potential of it, um, for many issue areas, I actually think that we're going to be most powerful by kind of stacking and aligning those resources in addition to our grant making. Fabulous. And so I wanted to touch on Ari, you know, like Pinterest, there are other companies that are increasing the, their CSR initiatives. And it's now becoming kind of a norm for or an expectation for businesses and corporations. Can you talk about, you know, what your thoughts are on how, like, what is driving this change? Absolutely. Um, and I was thinking about this question in advance because it's, it's, it kind of touches on trends and themes that go well beyond the private sector to the social sector one as well. Um, and I think it's really about mission movement in the sector and this moment in time. And I'll talk about each of them very briefly. Um, on mission, you know, I mentioned earlier that Pinterest mission around inspiration ties very intuitively to a thesis around philanthropic giving. But I don't think it's Pinterest whose mission deeply ties to the work of the nonprofit sector. And I think a lot of companies are realizing that fully living into their mission means expanding their toolkit and the view to include, honestly, what I see is the inspiration sector of the economy. So that's on the mission side. I also do think it's about movement in the sector. And just speaking very honestly, I think CSR is increasingly a matter of table stakes. And at the point at which even the business roundtable says that companies have these sorts of social responsibilities, honestly to me, it's almost surprising that it's not yet adopted by all companies. And that's because companies kind of have to ask themselves if they're gonna be left behind or if they're gonna show up for their employees, their shareholders, their partners, and their customers. And candidly, even if they don't see that in terms of the business interest, it's worth adding that policy and practice is heading the same direction, where shareholders are asking questions about what companies are doing on social environmental issues. And organizations like SASB are creating measures that companies are increasingly being asked to account for. So I think that movement is um, accelerating. I think it's inevitable and companies simply have to respond to it. And finally, I do think it's about this moment. So I think between COVID, Black Lives Matter, the presidential elections, 20 and 2020, 2020 and 2021 have kind of vividly demonstrated honestly, issues of structural inequity and power imbalance through our society. And that holds no less true for the private sector than it does for the public and social sectors. I just think it's for companies part of our reality and our responsibility. So again, I think a lot of companies are still figuring this all out, but when you're asking about why there's traction, why more companies moving mm -hmm. into this space, I really do think it's the alignment of mission movement uh, and this moment, which creates opportunities. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Paul, what are your uh, thoughts around this? No, I, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, I like, you know, Ari, everything you said, I, you know, companies are made up of people and, you know, people affect change and, you know, the people who come in, you know, they come in now and they want to, they want to make a difference. They want to see that there's an alignment with their value set with the company that they work for. It's really not just a job anymore. It's a, it's, it's part of their life. And, um, and so people are asking the hard questions, you know, it's not just about, you know, making the profit, but it's about making a difference. And um, so I think more and more companies are, are taking a really hard look about, well, what are we really about and how are we going to, you know, affect change? And what is that change that we want, we want to make, and, you know, some, some is going to probably pit some companies against each other, but at the end of the day, people are going to vote with their feet and show up where they're going to apply for a job. You know, it's like, some people want to work for Pinterest and some don't. Some will want to work for Patagonia and some don't. And and it's easier now, a lot easier now to see where there's where's where that alignment yeah. where that alignment is. So I think that has a lot to, to do with it. You know, I have this thing that I've 
said recently is that, you know, a lot of people think that um, the world exists for them, but really we exist for the world. And once we do things for the world, the world give back, gives back to us. And I, and I think that's that's the case when in, in your work and in your everyday life, it all kind of blends together. Yeah. And Paul, I mean, I'm gonna keep you here for a second and talk about, you know, on the nonprofit side, in our last leadership study, we even found that more and more nonprofits are actually seeking to partner with more, more businesses and corporations. So do you have any recommendations on how nonprofit nonprofits can go about picking corporate partners? Um, yeah, and it, you know, it always starts with a conversation. Typically when we go with the, mostly the, the smaller nonprofits, you know, um, the question is, you know, we need to get some money. So, you know, we've identified, you know, we're gonna go to these companies and usually the companies they identify are just companies that are doing well. And there's never any kind of, well, what's the alignment between you and what they do. And, and keeping in mind too, that in terms of individual, in terms of giving in the United States, and we tell people all this time, you know, corporations and foundations only make up, you know, 15, maybe 20% of the giving. So a large part of the pie is individuals, right? But you have to, for, for nonprofits, and in, uh, they, they have to really look at what the, non, what the corporation is about and what is it that they want to want to do? For instance, what you know, Ari wants to do at Pinterest might not align up with, you know, like a like a Habitat for Humanity, or 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 a couple other nonprofits. But it would for others. You know, for instance, like American Express had a conversation once, and they were all about you know finance and education. So you have to look and see where the heart of that nonprofit uh, of the business is and where they want to make a difference. And then once you have that conversation, then you can see who makes a, a good alignment, but you have to go look for it. Yeah, that that's a great point. I think it's important. I mean, I've talked to nonprofits about it before too. Um, just finding a business or a corporation that has the same interests and that its mission aligns with yours, I think is very, very important. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so Ari, right, I wanna circle back real quick since it is, you know, you guys work with a lot of charities and a lot of nonprofit organizations. You know, how is Pinterest giving back to charitable organizations? And, you know, like what is its process for choosing which charities to partner with? You know, I really like Paul's answer because it does tie to recommendations for how to pick corporate partners. Uh, a lot of this comes down to how you establish and build authentic relationships. Uh, between between organizations and nonprofits, right? Between grant makers and grant seekers. And you know, one of my first impulses, and this comes out of my experience at at Kresge and other foundations, is that if you're about everything, you're not really about anything. And um, creating clarity about what you're about is really important in terms of being fair to nonprofits that are seeking uh, grant support. So we've kind of, at least early on, focused on creating that kind of clarity by by forming three areas of giving, kind of three pools of capital. Um, and I can talk about each of them in turn. Um, the first is around our kind of our strategic focus area, which is emotional well-being, and I alluded to earlier. Um, well over half of our planned grant making in the coming year is dedicated to that topic. And we're new entrants in this space. And I, I just feel very deeply that when you're, you're new to a space, you have to honestly talk to as many trusted partners as you can. You have to um, frame your intention to show up authentically and with humility and do what you can to learn and make a difference simultaneously in your early years. So for us, 
we've kind of laid out four pretty basic buckets within emotional well-being of what we're supporting. Um, the first is increasing awareness around emotional well-being so that emotional well-being and mental health is seen as of co-equal importance to physical health and physical well-being. And there I'll just mention an anecdote. We've all recently lived through kind of this moment of COVID vaccine prioritizations. And it's striking to me that very few, if any of them, included mental health categories as part of vaccine prioritizations. And it's just fascinating because it's not like there aren't deep comorbidities there. And there isn't critical importance around mental health and its connection to the kind of the, the COVID crisis. So for me, that's just an example of the ways in which increasing awareness and um, having folks see emotional being as of co-equal co importance is kind of very vividly demonstrated just in our experience this past year. Um, in a very similar vein, our second area of grant making within emotional well-being is going to be around tackling racial and other inequities. This year has laid that bare clearly in the context of the pandemic, but also in the context of the resources available for, to folks uh, and for communities around emotional well-being and the outcomes that we're seeing. So we intend to kind of tackle with deep intentionality and leaning into those realities of kind of the inequities we're seeing in the space. Um, we're focused on supporting innovations in the field. That's our, our third area of funding. And finally, um, because we're a new entrant and because I believe we have a responsibility to support kind of the critical large nonprofits in the space, we have an anchors portfolio that's kind of focused on the core nonprofits doing important and driving important work and that have been driving important work long before kind of Pinterest entered this space um, philanthropically. So that's one, our first big bucket of giving, which is emotional thing. Um, we also are shaping up a place-based um, portfolio of giving, and that's mostly driven by the reality that Pinterest is a global company. We're based here in Silicon Valley, but I don't, and I both don't want, and we shouldn't have our giving be, um, have or have a base centricity to it. So a lot of that is born of an impulse coming from Detroit. And uh, candidly, a company like Pinterest, you just don't get to have an office in a place like Detroit without showing up in Detroit with humility and intentionality and giving to Detroit. And that's true of Detroit, that's true of Dublin, that's true of Atlanta, that's true in our regions in South Asia and East Asia and elsewhere. Um, so what we're trying to do is figuring out how we build strategically capacity for local offices to give in their communities so that it's still coherent across the entire company. That probably means elevating topics like emotional well-being and, and racial equity, but also to allow them to give to kind of the very hyper-local issues and concerns that um, is required for Pinterest to show up in a meaningful way in place. So that place-based portfolio is about a quarter of our giving. So again, half is going to emotional being, a quarter to place-based. And the final quarter is kind of classic responsive grant making. And there, this is you know a term of art, but also very straightforward. It's where we balance our head and our heart. So if emotional well-being is kind of our strategic focus area, where we're very clear about what we're funding and why, um, this quarter that's focused on responsive giving is about us showing up on social challenges that may not fit our buckets particularly well but allow us to respond to crises um, and emergent issues, whether that's challenges to our democratic system or wildfires in California, or again, kind of the horrible manifestation of the COVID disasters happening right now as we speak in India and Brazil. And there our intention is just to show up to social challenges that don't need to fit our buckets. Um, so all I'll add is that on many of these social issues, our dollars will be critically important, but of co-equal importance will be what I alluded to earlier, which is a platform that reaches nearly half a billion users um, every month. And in many ways, we're hoping to stack and align resources to support nonprofits that absolutely can use our dollars, but are also kind of doing sophisticated narrative change work. I alluded earlier to the fact that like a big part of our emotional being work is around raising awareness. Um, 
what we're already finding is that there are nonprofits that um, are incredibly sophisticated and savvy in thinking about how a platform like Pinterest can actually advance and project both the narrative change work they're doing and the campaigns, both grassroots and others. Otherwise, they're trying to undertake to frankly advance the field of emotional well-being generally. And that's not just true for emotional well-being, that's true for our place-based work, and that's absolutely true for our responsive work as well. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how we're thinking about it, and that's how we're thinking about partnering with charities. So it's both who is, you know, who is a great partner philanthropically, but also who is really excited and is undertaking like really powerful social change work and excited about potentially using the Pinterest platform to advance that as well. Wow. That's really incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. It seems like you guys are, you know, doing what you can to really believe in the mission and drive the change. And it's so commendable. Um, so Ari, my next question for you is, what are your thoughts on the future? Like what the future philanthropy is going to look like? I know it's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question. It's also one of my favorite topics. And I'm actually really curious to get your thoughts and Paul's thoughts as well. Mm -hmm. um, so look, I'll, I'll start with where I think anyone who is helping to lead a philanthropic organization has to start, which is to kind of acknowledge the really powerful critiques of philanthropy that have emerged in just the past few years. And here I'm talking about works like Winners Take All and Decolonizing Wealth and Just Giving but also kind of the broader awareness, social awareness, the role of philanthropy. And honestly, in a moment of profound inequality, what it means to have such concentration of money and power that comes with philanthropy. So in my eyes, the most innovative foundations out there are the ones who are taking those critiques seriously. And again, not that they are agreeing with everything that's being written in this moment, but they are reckoning with this moment of profound wealth inequality and awareness of structural injustice and having it pulled into their work. So I'm excited about some of the innovations those critiques have driven. And their examples include the emergence of equitable evaluation as a field of uh, inquiry and, and practice, the role of participatory grant making in place-based giving, and honestly, and you've seen this out of the Ford Foundation and other foundations, advancement on issues like disability rights and inclusion that honestly have historically been pretty big blind spots for philanthropy. Um, you're, I think seeing change inspired by these critiques also at kind of the grass tops and the grassroots um, levels. And I think there are kind of novel models of giving that are challenging some of the core premises of what we've even known as strategic philanthropy. So it's changing philanthropic practice as well. I think a great example is kind of the really robust evidence from universal basic income pilots and organizations like Give Directly and Give India that are honestly demonstrating the power of just direct cash transfers. And there have been amazing evaluations that suggest, you know, surprise, surprise, that giving people money is an incredible effective form of giving and of advancing kind of their lives and their welfare. And honestly, I think that creates pressure for strategic and traditional strategic philanthropy, because it suggests that one of the most powerful ways of making an impact is literally disaggregating and redistributing wealth. So I think we're entering a powerful moment in philanthropy where not only are new issues being tackled and issues of racial equity and justice are being elevated, but new ways of giving are emerging and becoming normalized. And I honestly am very excited about it because I think it will make philanthropy more just and relevant. Those are just some initial thoughts. Awesome. And Paul, I want, um, I think this is important for you because I know you just wrote a book on the future of fundraising. So I'm interested in getting your thoughts. Well, thank you. I, um, you know, I, I, I think back. Um, I was 
in writing this book and it's called the future of fundraising um i was looking back and i saw that in 2009 i gave a, a talk on the future of philanthropy at a bbcon black dog conference and five of the ten things i recommended was get on social media have a strong web presence and so it's a it's an ever-changing um thing philanthropy and fundraising and you know it's interesting to listen to ari ari talk um you know years back people used to talk about specific charities you know like um united way or red cross but now what you hear people talking about are really big items like causes like climate change and racial injustice and and things that people want to really have an impact on and it, and what i'm finding is that you know the end result is change and impact and how it gets done um isn't necessarily needed to be done through a nonprofit. For instance, Pinterest doesn't need to go through nonprofits to affect the change that it wants to affect. It could directly, you know, have that impact. But you know, in 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 my book, we talk about the things that are going to affect philanthropy and fundraising. Artificial intelligence is going to have a tremendous impact. And think, think about what Pinterest has at its at its resource for being able to do you know, identify those people who may be interested in, in giving to a specific cause. And the same thing you, you have going on with blockchain philanthropy and, and getting money directly to people. And you don't have some of the, the fees that get taken out as it goes across into inter, across international borders. But there's a, there's a lot of things that are happening that donors are doing, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a donor, where they're going to affect change and it doesn't necessarily have to be done through a nonprofit. Maybe some people don't want to hear this, but it's kind of what is the adaptation that needs to be made so that we're in alignment with a corporation and a donor to help facilitate the change that needs to happen. And um, I, I think that technologies has a tremendous impact. And then you look at the subscription model, um, you know, I, I know like Spotify has what 160 million people subscribing at $10 a month. There's going to be a lot of nonprofits and, and other organizations looking at, well, if we just get people at $10 a month, we can really have tremendous impact. So those are just some, some thoughts that I have uh, in this. It's, um, it's going to continue to be um, amazing to see what happens in the coming, coming years ahead of us. Yeah. I think we're in a, really interesting place and time uh, for nonprofits and for philanthropy. And I'm interested in seeing how the technology continues to develop. And I agree, Paul, you know, the subscription-based model is something that a lot of nonprofits are putting more focus on. They're trying to expand their monthly giving programs um, because that, that kind of builds donor loyalty and just like connection to the cause. So I think that's really important for nonprofits to understand. But we've talked about a lot today. And, you know, I always pose this question to our guests that come through and it's it's typically kind of hard because it's hard to choose one thing. But Paul, I'll get started with you. If there's a piece of advice that you could give nonprofits from everything that we've talked about today, you know, what would it be? It, it, one thing that I would tell nonprofits is that they need to be prepared for the next thing that that's coming up and a lot of nonprofits tend to be reactive and not proactive so i've been in this business long enough to see stock market crashes ipo bubbles burst tsunamis earthquakes 
And it seems like there's always this kind of like this, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? As opposed to we, we, we're agile, we're adaptive, we see the change and we're ready to um, be right with that change and be able to serve the people that you know we, we, we know we're connected to. And I think that's it. It's, it's because there is going to be the next thing. We just don't, you know, it's, you know whether it's a 9-11 or whatever it is, there's going to be a next thing and they have to be ready for it. But they also have to be ready to, to understand that all the money that they need isn't necessarily going to come from charitable dollars. And it could come from um, revenue that's generated from some sort of entity that they've created, like a subscription model. And that's the other thing. They've got to, they've got to look to adapt to those to those things. Great. And how about you, Ari? Well, um, I agree with with everything Paul just said. I I'd only add this has been such a strange time for everybody. I mean, especially for nonprofits. And nonprofits have been through such a, a crunch in addition to kind of all the traumas of this moment. Um, and they've been layered and multifaceted. And I think this has stretched everyone in, in, in every sector and every organization in, in ways they hadn't expected. So there's this, there's now this moment of um, not even reckoning, but just kind of awareness of kind of the work continuing and frankly being made even more vivid. And I think that's creating um, pressure within virtually every organization. And that's real. And that's a huge part of kind of why we're thinking about emotional well-being as something that for us at least is both a kind of a philanthropic focus and an organizational one. I know that it's a lot something that a lot of organizations are, are reckoning with. When it comes to so when it comes to advice, the first thing you know, the, just the, the basic reality I say is like, you know, it's 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 just creating that time and space to the extent as possible is incredibly difficult, especially for direct service organizations. And one thing I hope we can do is both in our direct partnerships and through resources of interest, like help support nonprofits who are day in and day out just grinding and doing incredible work. And in addition to kind of the direct service that is their core purpose, also having to worry about fundraising and, and all other dimensions of their work at a moment in time where philanthropic funding has gone a bit haywire. Um, and you've seen the federal government step up, you've seen different foundations step up, but it's become a complex environment for operations. So, you know, if nothing else, I would just say like, I've been astonished and so inspired by the work of so many nonprofits who have not just persevered, but thrived and showed up in incredible ways over the course of last year despite kind of the most incredible barriers to doing so. When it comes to like Pinterest and grant seeking and grant making, I'll, I'll say is the following. And one thing I've just observed in CSR is, you know, philanthropy so hinges on authenticity and trust. And for us, it, for me personally, it's a matter of great anxiety. Like how do we show up in a way that allows us to really walk our talk, whether it's about emotional well-being or otherwise. And philanthropy is a huge part of that. But some of this gets to who and what Pinterest is and what's core to our identity. And I think that's true for other companies as well. And honestly, some of the most compelling conversations I've had so far with nonprofits are the ones who are like not just excited about establishing like a funding relationship, but are thinking really tactically about how Pinterest can be useful for them or if Pinterest can be useful for them in the social change ventures that they're taking, in the messaging campaigns or the fundraising campaigns they're going through and are thinking really deeply about how they show up both online and show up with, with voice and with impact across multiple different venues. And kind of understanding where both foundations are coming from, where they have anxieties and where they have authenticity, I think it's just really important to building like longer term, longer term ongoing trust-based relationships. 
And I think that's an imperative for us in CSR, no less than it is an imperative um, for the foundation sector, the private foundation sector. So I guess it, it'd mostly be kind of spending that time to the extent it's possible and effort and understanding kind of where companies are coming from and where they can actually operate authentically versus inauthentically. Mm-hmm. And striving to create relationships with them that um, not just understanding where they're coming from, but actually like taking taking the liberty to think about the ways in which companies and foundations and otherwise can support them beyond just dollars. Um, because frankly, I think that's both where philanthropy is going. And I see that as the obligation of philanthropy and of CSR um, is to not just like transfer dollars, but in the case of a company like Pinterest, like think about our platform and think about like insanely talented colleagues who have incredible tech tech skills and tech development skills and many nonprofits may not. So it's kind of seeing an organization whole um, in much the way that I think foundations have an obligation to see nonprofits whole that that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, really great points. I think it's the authenticity bit is, I mean, especially important. Um, So, I mean, I think we're just about out of time for today. So I want to first thank our listeners for listening in on today's podcast. And of course, Ari and Paul, it's been such a pleasure having you both on to talk through CSR and Ari, for you to talk about more about the initiatives that Pinterest is doing, especially in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. So thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, thank you. No, no, it's been such a pleasure to join. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm so happy to have you on. And it's really, truly just an honor to have you and Paul on. And I I can say honestly that the podcast is one of my favorite projects I do at Nonprofit Pro because I get to hear amazing stories and um, meet amazing people like yourselves. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. And so on behalf of Nonprofit Pro, we will see you in the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of the Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.